Excited, a poetry podcast. I am Kevin Couture, and I am joined by Luke Stromberg and Luke Bauerlein. Uh, on today's episode, we're going to discuss the poem by Jeffrey Hill entitled Ovid and the Third Reich. Uh, now, Mr. Stromberg, uh, you chose the poem yes. uh, for this night. Um, would you mind uh, reading it for us, please? Sure. Again, it's Ovid and the Third Reich by the... Uh English poet Geoffrey Hill. It starts off with an epigram in Latin from Ovid, who is a classical poet. Uh, I'm not going to attempt to read the actual Latin. I, I, I don't really have any Latin, but I'll give you a rough uh, translation of it. It's from Ovid's sequence Amores, and it's from book three, and it's Poem 14, and roughly translated, it says, She who can deny having sinned does not sin, and only the fault confessed brings shame on her. So here's the poem. I love my work and my children. God is distant, difficult. Things happen. Too near the ancient troughs of blood, Innocence is no earthly weapon. I have learned one thing, not to look down so much upon the damned. They, in their sphere, harmonize strangely with the divine love. I, in mine, celebrate the love choir. Well, thank you. That was a wonderful um, uh, reading of the poem. Thanks. Uh, well, what what made you uh, choose this poem, Luke? Uh, what 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 kind of uh, what attracts you to it uh, as you encounter it? Well, you know, I think it the thing that I'm most attracted to with this poem is like it's a very as as you can tell from just my reading of it, it's a very brief poem. It's um, it's just eight lines, two quatrains, and I admire the concision of the poem and the, the kind of muscularity of the language, um, and the really uh, beautiful and subtle way it rhymes through assonance. I don't know, yeah. just hearing it, if you could pick that up, um, you know, if there's a like an A, B, A, B rhyme scheme to each mm-hmm. quadrant, but it, it doesn't, it's not an exact rhyme. It rhymes on the, uh, the, the, the final consonant sound. Like, so God rhymes with blood right and happen with weapon yep. and i really like that and there's just some, because it's so concise and and it's just something uh, taught about the language it's kind of it just gets like lodged in my head and for such a short poem i think there's so much here oh yeah and yeah. it's just powerful so i mean uh that's what attracted me to it um i i don't I'm not sure how familiar how familiar are you guys uh, with uh, Jeffrey Hill's work? Um, well, I, I can say that I'm not very familiar at all. Uh, how about you, Barrel? Yeah, yeah I, I've I've read a handful of poems and, I, and I've heard him talked about it very highly, but uh, yeah. I'm not that familiar with his work. The things that I know are that he he tends to write um, these kind of brief concise muscular poems and that and that there's a lot of historical context and 
and sort of deep research behind the poem. It's it's all about the subtext with Hill, which I'm, yeah. I'm thinking we'll get into tonight quite a bit. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm by no means a Hill scholar. Um, mm -hmm. As Bowerline started to say, uh, Hill is famous, uh, famously a difficult poet. Mm -hmm. So he, yeah, he expects a lot of his audience. He makes a lot of historical and literary allusions, sometimes rather obscure ones. And he rarely annotates his poems and never really very extensively. So, like, they're kind of intimidating. You know, <laughs> yeah, that, that um, was that was really the only thing I knew about him was that he was one of those poets that I, uh, you know, intended to get around to. Um, <laughs> but I knew that it would take right. uh, quite a bit of preparation and, and just have to steal myself uh, for the uh, for the effort, you know. Yeah. And that, that's kind of how I've always felt about him, too. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I've long been intrigued by uh, his poems. Um, but, you know, I, I just I just figured, well, someday I'll get to that. Yeah. And I've. I've just kind of dipped in here and there um, over the years. Um, I started to make a more uh, concerted effort to get into him after he died this past summer. Yeah. Um, so I started to get into him more. I, I have the just the, um, the new and collected poems from 1952 to 1992. Okay. And uh, from what I read of him, I, I so far I've, spent the most time with like the earlier poems like from his first book for the unfallen and from his second book king log which is where uh this poem comes okay. from yeah because i yeah i've i've read um in reviews that his his later books uh got you know uh, even more difficult more yeah more yeah, yeah yeah and, and it's it's really interesting because i think he he kind of in my mind and again this is from just encountering a few straight pieces here and there. This is definitely the first poem of his I've read um, uh, with with any amount of great attention, but um, I, uh, I I would say that the, the impression I get is he, he kind of bridges these two worlds of the formalist poet and also the, the poet of, of surfaces, uh, you know, the type of uh, poetry that... Um, like, I, I think of language poetry as an extreme version of it, but, you know, that's kind of the, the type of aesthetic I'm going toward. I mean, it really feels like he, with his later work, uh, for what I've seen of it, um, you know, if, if you, just on the surface of it, it can almost seem like one of the more obscure uh, Wallace Stevens poems. Um, uh, oh, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Out. I don't know. If, yeah. I mean, he's very much a, um, in the tradition of the modernist. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he's named uh, Alan Tate as one of his uh, his big influences. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and I can also say that with this poem, I um, you know, I, I feel like there's there's a lot about this poem that I that I get. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the subtext. I mean, I, I it's really hard in this day and age to to not know what someone's getting at when they mention the Third Reich. Uh, right. You know. Right. You, Usually it's being overplayed, you know, um, but, uh, yeah. But in this poem, it's just like the only overt reference to Nazism's or the Holocaust, uh, Nazism or the Holocaust is in the title. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, you, you have to I mean, the title's doing, yourself, yeah. Yeah, the title is doing so much work in yeah. this poem. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like, just just imagine if you were to if you were to call this anything else, that would be an interesting exercise. Just kind of come up with different titles for it and see how how differently it reads. You know, mm-hmm. so, much <laughs> <laughs> so much resonance. So much resonance coming from that title. Yeah. The um. Yeah, and and it kind of you know like getting into that for like you see Ovid in the Third Reich and um and, and then you have like you know the 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 epigraph sets you up for, like, you, you already know, okay, well, this is Ovid, and he was in exile uh, in his life, in his lifetime. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he knows a bit about, you know, political intrigue and um, the precarious position of, well, of anyone in, in an empire <laughs> or, or in any yeah. kind of mm-hmm. setting like that, you know? Perhaps um, we should say more about mm-hmm. Ovid, like, who yeah. Ovid is. Like, would you, you want to talk about that a little bit? I mean, yeah, I you know, I don't have anything... Uh, expressly prepared but just you know my my general knowledge of Ovid is that um you know he he was a roman poet around the uh time of uh when the empire was forming after the assassination of caesar and during the uh, uh the ascendancy of um augustus and uh, right. yeah for a while there he was um uh, he was favored by augustus and you know augustus was a, a bit of a fan he might have even been a patron of of uh, ovid's uh and then ovid wrote some uh, verses that uh, augustus in his uh, prudery <laughs> did not approve of uh, and it, it might yeah. have even been a poem of you know something from the amores i that i don't know i that leave that up to historians but um and I think there was also something involving uh, one of Augustus's uh, family members, like a daughter or something. Yeah, uh, I, I, I heard something like that. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and so yeah, and so so Ovid was exiled uh, in I think what is now modern day Romania. You know, I'm not yeah. very confident in any of this. <laughs> what I'm saying, right, right, that's right, a general right. sketch of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. have you read any uh, Ovid? I, I read. The Metamorphoses years ago, uh-huh. and tra- well, obviously in translation because I, I don't have much Latin at all. And um, th- years ago, and, and, I, and I read it really quickly, and, and it all kind of just went past me. I, I enjoyed it very much. Uh, there's, um, well, you know, the Metamorphoses. You know, it, it, there's a lot. Um, I think there are like you know Shakespeare uses it a lot. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's his, it's sort of yeah. um, our source for a lot of the myths. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But other than that, I haven't really explored. I just just through you know reading essays, um, you know, and, and and just the way you kind of pick up general knowledge about a lot of writers right, that you right, don't right, necessarily right. study in depth. Like that's kind of you know my so far you know my uh, my relationship with Ovid. Uh, I mean, I, I knew quite a bit about sort of the gist of the Amores, you know, when I encountered this. So it wasn't too big of a surprise to read. Um, you know this the the whole uh, Amores uh, book three, uh, poem fourteen. You know, um, yeah. So we should say um, a bit about that poem because yeah. I, I think, like, the, so to go back to the uh, epigraph here, again, uh, loosely translated, it is it is uh, it's and it's from the poem, which and the whole Amores is sort of a poem where he's. Uh, Courting this woman, uh, Corinne, I think. Yeah, Corinne, um, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and um, and this is towards the end. It's one of the last poems in the entire sequence, and the the poem uh, that Hill is quoting here is 
it's it's basically he's he's speaking to her and he's like, look, listen, if you're if you're going to uh, sleep with other men, you know, at least don't tell me about it. Right. Lie to me about it, right? Yeah, um, yeah you gotta lie to as, me, baby. Yeah, yeah, lie to me, baby. Um, and so it's it's very interesting that Hill takes that that one line. Uh, there's uh, two lines that come early on in the poem and uses it here. In a, in a fascinating way, but he's basically saying, like, look, anybody who, if you can deny having sinned, you know, it, it didn't happen. Right. Only the fault confessed is a sin, and it's going to bring shame on you. Right. Right. Um, uh, so, what do you think? Uh, why this? Why these lines? What is uh, mm -hmm. Hill doing here? Like what? What are they? What kind of resonance is that adding to this poem? Yeah, I'll I'll take a stab at that. I mean, because for me, uh, because the Hill poem is 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 so brief. Um, I, I, again, we were talking about how much the title impacts the meaning in this, and so I think revisiting um, the Ovid poem that is that that's quoted at the beginning. It was really important for me in terms of the way that my understanding evolved around it. So the way you described it, Luke, was sort of like a, that's definitely like the straight ahead argument that is made in it, right? It's an argument against, you know, the, that's uh, the revealing of, of painful information, hide it from me. And then, you know, there's the, you're, you're sin free, I'm sin free. And, and that's essentially, in that take, I, uh, I see that very much speaking to the, uh, the way that, um, you know, the, the German people essentially like t turned away mm -hmm. from what was happening around them. The, you know, the, uh, yeah. the yeah. general populace was able to, as, as he sort of talks about, and as Hill talks about in the poem, you know, they're in their sphere and, and, you know, the Jews and the sufferers and the damned, whoever that might be in their country was sort of in another and never the, the twain shall meet. And so I think it's sort of calling into question that, that idea that, you know, I'm fine here, you're fine there. You know, and, and just sort of exposing in in this context, in this kind of extreme context of of the Third Reich, you know, how hollow that that philosophy is. Yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah. Kevin, why don't you why don't you jump in? But there's another there's another way that I kind of see what Ovid is doing in his, and how that actually kind of applies to the poem as well. But I think that's okay. one reading that is definitely a way to to dig into it and enter. Yeah, it it brings to mind uh, me the uh, the practice of equivocation. Um, that that uh, you encounter in Elizabethan England, uh, you know, and that Shakespeare makes reference to, I think particularly in Macbeth, you know, uh, and the you know uh, when when the Catholics were being uh, persecuted in um, uh, you know in Elizabeth's England, uh, they they came up with this way of you know if they were ever captured and questioned, they were able to deny uh, their religious beliefs by phrasing them in such a way so as to uh, to hide what they really were. Like, they, it was it was a lie, mm. but it was kind of like, you know, they could cross their fingers behind their back kind of thing. You know, like, they, and they're, and actually, it wasn't even really, I mean, they would just flat out deny that they were Catholic, but in their heart, they would say, you know, they would, they would say something completely different. So it was really about just saying one thing and meaning another uh, as a way of uh, political, well, I mean, survival, literal survival. I mean, not political survival. I mean, we're talking about, you know, if they were, you know, any suspicion or all of, of uh, going against the Queen's orders and you were, you were killed. Mm. And so I, I kind of, that, 
that that came to mind in a in a really sort of ironic way because you know of course Ovid uh, is not really uh, talking about something so dire, but it is kind of the same thing. Listen, just don't tell me about you know what it is you're doing. Don't reveal this other part, the shameful <laughs> part of uh, your your life to me uh, because it's you know. I, I have this hang-up, babe, and, and it's, you know, I'd rather not ruin what we have, you know? Um, yeah. You know, but it, but it's kind of the, you know, it's it's related, and, it, and um, you know, and it, it also kind of shows how the different spheres of our lives, the uh, the, the relationship to the, the nation or the state uh, is uh, similar to the relationship to, uh, you know, our, our personal relationships, and yeah, yeah, I think that's what Hill's doing here to, to show that, um, but bringing into, kind of talking about the separation between the, the public life on one hand and the private life. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, and it starts with, uh, I love my work and my children. And, um, you know, as, uh, like that, that's really, um, that's the core that that's what that's your common denominator for all people you know i think um who are caught up in in a situation uh like you know the third reich is that really they're just trying to keep their head down and uh mind their own business because they they just want to try to maintain what little they can of uh the way that you know uh life was or you know or, or you know they're, they're trying to protect themselves um so yeah yeah and then there's that acknowledgement of complication, but it seems like, I mean, the way I read it, it that uh, it's it almost seems like he's saying, yeah, things are complicated. You know, there's there's horror in the world that we can't understand. There's suffering that we don't understand. How a loving God could allow. But it's almost just like a, a sort of washing of his hands of it. Yeah. I love my work and my children. God. And there's something very interesting about the enjambment in this mm-hmm. poem, too, that oh, we can yeah. talk about mm-hmm. as well. But yeah. uh, I love my work and my children. God is distant, difficult. Things happen. That <laughs> things happen, yeah. it, it's so glib. Yeah, yeah, it you is. Know? Um, but it's so loaded. Like, things yeah. happen. Like, you know, genocide. <laughs> right, right. 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 Yeah, yeah, not to make light of it, but yeah. It's a brilliant way that it plays against the title. I mean, yeah. yeah. That yeah. works so well because of that. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like saying, shit happened. <laughs> right, I was yeah, I was thinking that, yeah. I, I mean, that's so... I, I don't know if that's the only way to read it, but that's the kind of way I'm reading it. Yeah, yeah, that's the way yeah. I read it, definitely. Um, no, and, the, and, the, and the, the following line too. You know, I mean, it's like it, the the speaker. That's one thing I wanted to bring up. Like the speaker, the Abed that's speaking in in Hill's poem seems a lot more unsettled to me than than what the Abed in in, in you know, ancient Abed is up to in uh, in the Amores. Oh yeah, mm. I, I think so. Um, and you know, so, you think so? Like, it's, it's, yeah. Well, I, I think that you've got this, you know, God is difficult, this sort of admission, God is distant and difficult, things happen, and then he's basically telling us, and listen, you know, it, being innocent is no guarantee that you're not going to be slaughtered. Taken exactly. To the slaughter. And so yeah. I need to be keeping my head down now. As much as I'm sort of like, you know, maybe conflicted, and there's not God, and I love my kids, like, hey, we know that I could be put to death at any time, yep. you know, just for, ah. my this isn't going to save me, or innocence won't save you. Yeah, because it's it's that 
uh, that third line, or you know, those th last two lines really of the first stanza there, they are ambiguous. Mm -hmm. Too near the ancient troughs of blood, innocence is no earthly weapon. So you're saying that, like, you're seeing it as being like being innocent of a crime is not right. going yeah. to protect you from like political persecution. Yes, that's how I'm interpreting it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it may be a reference to Ovid's uh, exile in some ways, mm. too. Um, yeah, it could be. And, and also, I, I'm thinking of... Um, it could also be that there is no innocence on Earth. Uh, mm. That's another way of reading it. Um, you know, it, it, innocence is no earthly weapon. You know, we, we have no innocence mm. on Earth. You know, therefore, it, yeah. it can't... You know, it, it's irrelevant, really, I think, yes, is another right. way of saying it. You know, um, yeah, that's, doesn't, a, that's doesn't an interesting thing. Yeah. I kind of thought I, I was kind of thinking of it as innocence in like like a childish innocence, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. a child is innocent because uh, they they haven't been ex they're, they're not ex mm. experienced they haven't been exposed to things right. in the world so almost like in in ignorance yeah in some ways right um, and that weapon of you know when you're near these atrocities, when you're near these sins, these crimes, that innocence is not, you know, you, it's, it's hard to uh, preserve that innocence and use it as a weapon or as a shield away from yeah. recognizing mm -hmm. the way things really are. You know, when you're too near the ancient troughs of blood, innocence is no earthly weapon. And yeah. of course, then it moves into the next line in the in the following sense. I have learned one thing: not to look down so much upon the damned. Like as long, which comes back to the again the Ovid uh, quote about like as long as I don't know about it, I'm right. fine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And the and the first time, you know, and, and again, there's there's a there's another way to read that phrase: not to look down so much upon mm -hmm. the damned. It's, you know, not only to look down as in to physically look and see them, you know, in other yeah, words... Yeah, in, you know, in like saying, the hell below us, right, right. Right, right. But, but there's also the idea of... Um, oh, and of course that brings up Dante, you know, in the Inferno. Yes. Uh, that, that definitely calls him to mind. Uh, and, and that is actually how he got through the Inferno, finally. Like, by the end of it, he doesn't look down upon the damned. He doesn't care about them. Uh, you know, because yeah. he, he recognizes the divine justice is being done, you know. But, um... The, but the other way to look at it too is like you know the the phrase to look down upon someone. Although maybe yeah. it's maybe I'm thinking of looking down on someone, uh, and that that is the first way I read it. Uh, you know, the first few times I read the poem, and I think maybe it's a misreading. But uh, you know, I might as well bring it up since I've already gone this far. You know, no, but it's there to you know that that ambiguity is there, and I think yeah. somebody like Hill who's so attentive to language. Right and yeah, he, all of its connotations. Right, I I cannot feel that that would have been lost on him. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I would think so. Yeah, um, and and because and, and then I I was I was questioning. Well, who are the damned in this case? I mean, the damned. You know, on one. And hand what or, does it, yeah go ahead. Yeah, and what does that mean to be damned? Like right. Yeah. Are who, they? Are yeah. Damned by whom? You know, like uh, the uh, certainly the the the. Uh, Nazis uh, damned their victims 
in a certain right. sense of that word. But at the same time, you know, if you're like me and like uh, any sensible and, and good person, or I'm not even saying I'm a good person, but just anyone with a heart, you realize right. that by doing what they did, the Nazis were damning their own souls, you know? Um, so, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, in this case, I mean, really everyone is damned in, in some way or another, you know? So, so it makes you, and maybe that's just sort of my way of looking at things. Like uh, that, uh, that's <laughs> something that didn't even occur to me. Like, could the damned be referring to the perpetrate, like the oppressors, the Nazis, yeah. the perpetrators, and not the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's a possibility. I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, I, think, I think it's definitely a possibility. I, I struggled yeah. with that. I've kept flipping back and forth on it. Which, which kind of makes a little sense. Yeah. They in their sphere, harmonize strangely with the divine love. I, in mine, celebrate the loved choir, love choir, yeah. which almost could be kind of saying something about God, mm -hmm. who is, again, in, 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 a, in a line that just really stays with me. I think about it all, often. God is distant. Difficult. Difficult, yeah. Right here, we have at least with a Christian, the Christian idea of God mm -hmm. is the God of love, right? Yeah, and I mean, I guess one of the major kind of questions that you know, you know, any Christian who who, who believes in this thing has to um, kind of reconcile is how could how could God be love when there's so mm -hmm. much suffering and horror in the world right, right. Mm -hmm. and it, it's almost like <laughs> can there even be a god and if he is a god is he he just seems like a bastard yeah right right yeah yeah that, um, that's the chief yeah. struggle of faith i think yeah, yeah he's distant you know when you know it, here he is this you know is inaccessible to us mm -hmm. and and difficult so he's simultaneously the god of love and the god of wrath, and the god of maybe not of wrath so much as, as something even colder and more chilling is the god of indifference. Yeah, yeah. So he's both at the same time. They, in their sphere, the damned, if we're thinking of the damned as uh, the Nazis, harmonize strangely with the divine, and again there's that in German, love, with the divine love. Harmonize strangely. I, I, I like yeah. it, you know. It's either somehow they play together nicely, you know, they somehow work together, they work hand in hand, or strangely, as in like a bad harmony, like some somebody singing off key. I, you know, yeah, I'm not, yeah. How to read that? Yeah, there's. I like, and that's the thing. I think that we're 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 each coming up with with alternate readings, and I think they're yeah, all. Yeah. I think they all work, which is the beauty of this poem. You know, is that. Uh, like, yes, I think... Dude, poems in general, really. Good yeah, of course. Yeah, but I mean, this one is, it's, it's like every line, every word it has yeah. just all of these different facets to it. Because, yeah, I mean, harmonize strangely could mean, like, surprisingly harmonizing. In other words, like, it is a true harmony, and that's, that. it's strange because it never occurred to me, and it's just sort of, it seems like a paradox. And then also harmonize strangely, like you said, like it, it's singing a little bit off key or there's an assonance. And even yeah. within that, too, um, you know, uh, you know, if you listen to a lot of like modern music, uh, 
you know, strange harmonies that, that, you know, back in the day would have just made people uh, want to, you know, riot are, are yeah. you know, are very much, you know, enjoyable if you, you know, develop the taste for them, you know, so. And that, that's yeah. kind of getting far afield, but. Um, no, I think there's, yeah. I think there's something there, yeah. No, and you know what, just to, to Kevin's point about, um, and I mean, and yours too, look, about just how rich it is or, or how many, almost each word sort of leading you down a different path. I, I almost feel like, like each decision I'm making as a reader from like, cause, cause I can't, I can't have it all <laughs> in, in, in every single reading, right? Like yeah. that's why we return to it and go back again, but it's making certain decisions I'll make as a reader will make me force me into different decisions, right? Like I have yeah. to make the harmonize, the poem harmonize for myself. And yeah. so if I'm, it really depends on like how I'm reading they and their feel harmonize strangely really depends on who I've decided the damned are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? Right. Yeah, and, 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 and also it changes the way that I think about the speaker Harm, like uh, celebrating the love choir when I think about him, yeah, yeah. damned with the Jews, I, yeah. you know that, that that's an interest. I mean, it, it's still a callous, distant. Right. It's almost the same thing that God yeah. he feels God is doing to him. He's doing to them. Sort of, you know, I celebrate sort of the way that you know your suffering is still connects with God in a way that I can recognize, even though I'm not suffering, is interesting yeah. and, and disturbing. But what's maybe even more disturbing to me would be if the damned are, are, are the Nazis, in fact, and yeah. that he's still able to recognize that right. somehow even they in their sort of suffering of oppression <laughs> yeah and and destruction are are worthy of, of celebrating with the love choir or, or that they also have the ability to to harmonize strangely that is a a more difficult thing for me to wrestle with and oh, I, I like that yeah. interpretation better <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 that that does like i mean if you can um yeah yeah no i i, I can't I can't get there with it. And then, I mean, it really does. It just changes how you think about the, the eye, you know, it really does whether mm -hmm. or not the yeah. Nazis are the, or the victims are, or the damned. Because I mean, if he's, I just can't conscience. Um, uh, well, he does say yeah. I in my, like he does put himself in a different mm -hmm. sphere from that. Yes. There, yeah. Oh, that's there, true. Yeah. Right. That. yeah and, and that's important too, because it, you have to have the, the, diff, the separation there, you know, it's, um, he, I, it is a poem. I think probably if if I could take um, if I can name one theme of the poem in one word, it would be detachment, which is something that's come up in this conversation. And and he's he's looking uh, for a way to to uh, well create that harmony. And, and by and and you know putting himself in one sphere and the damned and the divine and another uh, that that achieves that form at least on an intellectual level. And the the idea that beauty. Or love, you know. So there's the love that Ovid wrote about, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, which is, um, you know, erotic love, mm -hmm. right? There's the divine love, and we kind of think in in some ways uh, poetry. I mean, the, the, it travels in both of those provinces, you know, of uh, divine love, erotic love, right? And it, and it travels in. Perhaps not, certainly not exclusively, but I think often, especially in our in in the way we think about it today, uh, in in the light of uh, romanticism and things like that, in the private world, right? Mm -hmm. That there's a separation between and and that he kind of you know I, I, I think acknowledges, especially when he talks about these separate spheres, how you could. I'm just reminded of the because it is a poet that is speaking Ovid, right? Yeah. Ovid in the mm -hmm. Third Reich, and I'm just reminded 
of this idea because it almost sounds like an explanation for writing poetry <laughs> or writing love poetry. Yeah, um, yeah. In the in this modern world, right? And alongside this kind of thing, like how do you justify? Because Ovid sometimes is criticized as being like a frivolous poet, right? Mm -hmm. The art of love is almost just like a manual for picking up chicks. Now, mm -hmm. I like, and that's, that's very reductive. I think it's right. wittier <laughs> and more than that. There's layers to it. But there, there is that. And a lot of people criticize him for being like a, a, a frivolous poet, I think, right? Um, so, I mean, so I think it's it's interesting that he would choose Ovid as the speaker, because this almost feels like a kind of defense of poetry, yes. even if it's not a very vigorous defense in yeah. the modern world, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's written in directly in response to it. Given the time when this poem was written, um, uh, I, I, it was published in 1968. It was in the book... Uh, King Log was published in 1968. Okay. But uh, there's that famous, I guess what I'm thinking of is that famous quote from Adorno, Theodore Adorno, mm -hmm. the, that, where he says, um, to write a poem after Auschwitz is barbaric, mm -hmm. right? Even if it's not this, even if Hill didn't have that quote in mind, I feel like it's getting at the same idea. Yeah. Right? Um, right. And, and, and he's, and and this idea that maybe like to 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 that there are kind of that we can again to get back to that idea of detachment detach mm -hmm. ourselves right and yeah. that there um you know I in my like in my separate sphere celebrate the love choir even as you know um, the damned are howling if we see the damnedest of people who are suffering mm -hmm. right. Or even, you know, as, you know, the other way, maybe. Um, even as the, they have their own thing that's happening there. Does this make sense? Yeah, I, I think I follow. Yeah, I follow. Yeah, that. yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, the, that's the way I read it. That's the way I read it initially. I mean, there's a, like, like as Bowerline was saying, there's a lot of avenues that you can go down here, and and you make a different different choices as a reader for what what kind of decision you make, how you're going to interpret these very loaded, ambiguous lines. Yeah, and, I, and, and too, it, it's um, like all the decisions you have to make as a reader kind of mirror the, uh, the decisions that the poet has to make uh, as yeah. he's trying to, you know, again, establish uh, who's in what sphere and, and how he's going to approach life with all of this, um, this atrocity happening around him, you know, you, you kind of, you're, you're in the same boat. <laughs> um, and, and, and you know. Ovid was kind of makes that reference in the Amores, right? Early on in book one, he jokes about something like, um, he started off trying to be an epic poet. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Writing these. And then Cupid stole like a, a foot. Right, yeah. and then he he got into writing elegy, which is like the the love poem. Yeah. Right, and um, there's even a, a part where he debates between uh, writing uh, tragedy and writing love poetry. Mm -hmm. So there's that kind of reference there, like the justification in the amores that Ovid tries to make for being essentially a love poet. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. When the when the kind of you know, higher 
art forms of tragedy or, or epic. Yeah. Com- competing with that. Yeah, there's a, um, and I mean, that's a tradition, like the, the, the poet sort of addressing what he's writing and why he's writing it the way he is and all that, that, that's, um, you know, you see that in Virgil, uh, when he, um, actually maybe, maybe I'm kind of, uh, misremembering this, but I seem to think that Virgil at the beginning of the Aeneid kind of talks about how, well, you know, back in the day I used to write about, you know, farming and, uh, all these other things. And now I'm, I'm, I'm writing the great national epic, you know, right, right. Yeah. And then Spencer does the same thing, and maybe I'm kind of conflating the two, but, you know, Spencer talks about, you know, well, back in the, you know, I was writing this thing called the Shepherd's Calendar, and now I'm writing yes. this great national epic, <laughs> you know. I mean, they yes. kind of, I mean, there's definitely, uh, I, I think that there's some... Uh, well, and Ovid you know, does the opposite. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he really does. He's like, well, I tried to write an epic, but, uh, you know... <laughs> Like, I just couldn't get the, the syllables to line up, so I'm writing this beater, you know. Uh, yeah, it's funny because, you know, I mean, a lot of poets nowadays um, in in different ways call attention to what they're writing and how they're writing. You know, like, there's a lot of meta mm-hmm. stuff going on in poetry. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. interesting to, to draw that line all the way back to, to these guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one thing I just wanted to kind of... Uh, Brief, briefly touch on too is as I was reading um, the the original poem that the the quote is is pulled from and, and knowing that that Ovid had this kind of like playful almost like prankster nature mm-hmm. um, in, in in his own interests and 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 sort of undermining expectations part of what I think he he might be up to in in that 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 poem that that, that the quote is pulled from which is the second to last in that book. Uh, to me, I, I sort of see him as, as sort of pointing out, it's like the speaker in that poem, th- you know, thinks that this is the way to salvage love, right? Like, lie to me, keep, keep it away, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and of course, this comes at basically the end of their relationship, and then the next, in the next uh, poem, they, 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 it's over, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and so to me, I think he, he, he knows that what the speaker is saying, you know, is essentially a lie, right? And, and doesn't work. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 partly, I think that because you know he, he's saying like you know I, I don't care about uh, all you know do, I don't care about the sins that you're having in your bed, but he describes them in such you know sort of lurid, such lurid yeah, detail, right? and yeah. and he exposes them. You know, yeah, and he's saying yeah, yeah. I don't care about this stuff. Lie to me, right? And what is he doing? Right. He's publicly putting it out for everybody, right? right? That's a it's that's a great and, point. Like it's like yeah. I don't want to know about <laughs> right, and, but I am going to tell it. But I'm going to make sure yeah. everybody else knows about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah and, and and too, like he's probably making it all up. Like she's probably as uh, you know right. pure as the driven snow. <laughs> to use right, a really right. terrible misogynistic <laughs> antiquated phrase you know but like uh you know like that that's what's really funny about it is like there's so much ambiguity with just the speaker and he's uh he's what we call you know the unreliable narrator really you know it's like you don't really don't know if the truth uh you shouldn't take him for his word exactly you know what i mean who knows what's really going on here you know yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I shared well, the um the christopher marlowe translation on yeah. facebook is you know yeah. and uh uh, yeah. the one woman reacted to it was like sexist or misogynistic clack trap. Right. Right. Which I mean, yeah, maybe, uh, especially the, 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 what I think she was reacting to the, to the, 
the Marlowe translation, he said, he basically, I, I, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to be able to quote it, I'm just saying from memory. He basically says, like, since you're beautiful and a woman, <laughs> yeah, I know that you're right, going right. to be untrue. So, right. I mean, uh, you know, I, I've seen other, again, I don't, I don't, I don't have any Latin, really, but I've seen other translations of Ovid that make no mention of, of, of that have a, a, a similar idea, but make right. no, like, specific right. attacks on women. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, again, but, you know, one of the things that came up was like, well, are, are we supposed to take this at face value or is this an unreliable narrative? Right. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to like what he says. We don't have to, you know, because that's not the whole message of the poem. I mean, I think that even if you think he's a despicable character, at the end of the day, he's re he's revealing what it is to be, you know, or, or what a despicable person sounds like, what a misogynistic asshole sounds like. And, and I mean, and, and if, right. if, you know, uh, Ovid and via Marlowe is doing that job well, then they're providing some service, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not wholly without value. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with, um, with both of what you said, but I, I guess to, to relate it back to, to Hill's poem, it made me think, that if if Hill agrees that the speaker in the original is in fact exposing what is essentially a lie, right? Mm -hmm. We're like essentially supposing it's this elaborate argument about how I could still love somebody as long as you as as long as you lie to me, um, mm -hmm. as long as he's this, in this, ignorance of what she's as long doing. as yeah, as long as he's in ignorance. This, this seems to also um, take that that idea completely to task. Right. right, which is probably why we're having so much trouble harmonizing the idea that you know he, he doesn't look down on the damned, right, and that he can sort of maintain these these separate spheres, and that that somehow you know is, is sort of like an argument for for love. It, to me, it suggests actually the exact opposite, right? That like the only the only path to love in the, in this kind of extreme circumstance is to look directly at it mm -hmm. and poss possibly participate in it. You know, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he's deluding himself, is what you're saying. By the end of yeah. it, this, this yeah, is all self-delusion. Yeah, that's that's also yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is sort of, I, I think, a, a, one way you could definitely interpret the uh, the original, and I think that that's that's working in here, just as we sort of were talking about, you know, the, the whole poem almost being a choose your own adventure in eight lines as you go through it. Um, sure. I think that's that's certainly at play. Yeah, and, and if I, I think I feel more most comfortable with the idea of this speaker being you know, willfully ignorant or willfully self-deceptive, I think, you know, in the way you're yeah. describing, uh, especially with just the gravity of, of what it is he's ignoring, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. but, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if there is some, you know, way of cosmically transcending, uh, you know, this veil of tears that we're in that includes things as horrible as uh, the Holocaust, and, and being able to celebrate the love choir of everything in its totality, you know, the the, the, the divine love and, and um, um, the damned. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm able to make that transcendence, you know, um, and I, I don't know if the if the speaker is necessarily capable of that either, you know. It, it's, it, it's more convincing uh, to think that this is the speaker sort of, rationalizing why he just focuses on his work and his and his children you know yeah, yeah. yes definitely yeah. yeah definitely yeah because yeah i mean you're how, how could you celebrate the love choir if you're ignoring <laughs> like, yeah 
most of it. I don't. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, this as I was, uh, you know, puzzling over a lot of these ideas uh, as we we're preparing for this uh, podcast. I kind of thought of another poem that compares to this that it, it sort of reminded me of it. Um, another a brief poem um, that I think of often. Do you, are you familiar with uh, Yeats's poem Politics? I am. I'm I, familiar with that poem. I believe I am too, yeah. Yeah, so um, in that poem... Um, he uh, it, it, he actually wrote it in response to an article uh, by Archibald MacLeish about like the poet's role, the the modern poet's role mm-hmm. that the poet um, should speak to public issues, right? Mm-hmm. Um, should help clarify the the um, you know the, the the problems of the time and and, and basically be political, right? Mm-hmm. And he actually, if I'm remembering the um, essay. Uh, correctly, he he uses like the later Yeats as like a prime example of what this could look like. But um, Yeats responded to the poem, uh, to that essay in his own poem, and is particularly to a line that um, that McLeish quotes from it from the German novelist Thomas Mann: "In our time, the destiny of man presents its meanings in political terms." Mm-hmm. I just thought, like, it's a short poem, so I thought maybe as like a, a kind of way to wrap this up, it might yeah. be cool to read oh, this absolutely. one. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, Politics um, by W. B. Yeats, Lee Butler Yeats, and again, there's the, uh, the 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 quote from Thomas Mann: "In our time, the destiny of man presents its meanings in political terms." Thomas Mann. How can I, that girl standing there, my attention fix on Roman or on Russian or on Spanish politics? Yet here's a traveled man that knows what he talks about, and there's a politician that is both read and thought, and maybe what they say is true of war and war's alarms, but oh, that I were young again. And held her in my arms. Yeah. Well, do you think that? Yeah. And I've wondered this. I mean, um, and and it seems like you have more of a context in this poem than I do. Um, mm-hmm. I I mean, because it, it's funny that that Arch that McLeish is uh, you know he he obviously sees something in Yates that maybe Yates doesn't think is there. Uh, yeah, or doesn't right? yeah. completely agree with. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Um, you know, he kind of said, well, slow down. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, and the, and the, er, like, I guess, cause, uh, one of the, you know, and I, I don't want to get too deep into this mm-hmm. because I don't, I'm trying to remember Cliche's exact comments, but, um, you know, he talks about how Yates went from being a, a private poet to, to writing about like, you know, his country and mm-hmm. the, the struggles and, yeah. and, and things like that. And, um, you know, even being a public figure, like a figure in po- Irish politics, right? Which, of course, Nick Cleish uh, was in American politics. Mm-hmm. He's part of the Roosevelt administration and things like that. Yeah, and and if I and again, I um, I keep meaning to actually you know get around. So I, I've got a couple of Yeats poems by heart, and I uh, he's one of my favorite poets. But uh, you know, I still haven't read a biography of him. Like I'm, but I just I yeah. know that it, his his personal politics are not. 
I mean, you know, just knowing you two the way I do, like, I don't think it's we would necessarily right. agree with all of them, you know? <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> uh, right, right, right. And, 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 I, and knowing that McLeish worked for the Roosevelt administration, which is a fraught administration in many ways, too, though. Um, but I, it, it's interesting to me, and I, I, I need to hunt down that essay and kind of give it more thought. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, I guess I, I, yeah. the thing that I just that struck me there uh, about that poem was like, you know, there are these moral obligations on the poet um, in some ways, like in the one way that we were reading it, mm-hmm. to acknowledge, to, to not retreat into himself and like private concerns and so-called frivolous things, right? Mm-hmm. And to engage with like the serious issues of the time and and, and and public concerns, right? But that kind of that the pull, of, right? Yeah. Of, of the private, right? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, as I think, uh, you know, the uh, is is in the uh, is in the hill poem too. I love my work and my children, mm-hmm. right? It's like that's what I love, right? But then uh, there's this pull. You know how you know how could I justify that focus when there's this thing happening in the world? You know uh, when when there's this reality that we have to face. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I see how that that definitely brings it all uh, together when you kind of look at it uh, with that with that Yates in mind. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, one reading, I guess. Yeah, it's re- it would be really interesting years from now to like kind of revisit this poem and uh, and see what else we could find from it. That's what's really <laughs> fascinating because I I feel like we pulled a lot out of it. But um, yeah, and here we yeah. have this long. I mean, you know, eight lines of poetry, right? And I feel like we could still say more. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, a, a great a, a great poem and a, a great uh, poet, Jeffrey Hill. And and I will just say sometimes I would. You know, there, there could be an eight-line poem that you you could read, and like, and it would seem too ambiguous. You know what I mean? It would seem like, oh, I just yeah. feel like I, that would be frustrating, right? And I, yeah. I didn't feel frustrated in reading this, and I, and I think yeah. maybe it's because of the way uh, it, it's constructed in in just the sense that like it, you you're forced as a reader to make decisions, and then those decisions will give the poem meaning. But you could legitimately go back and challenge every single one of them and tease out more. Whereas mm-hmm. I think the ambiguous poem. You never, you don't ever get that opportunity, right? It's just mm-hmm. there's parts of it that just could be you don't know. You're never ever ever able to make a decision as a reader. Right. Yeah, um, there's there's know, still you know? it's 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 not that it's lacking meaning. Yes, right, right. It's that it's, it's that you could dig down and and find multiple meanings or yeah, you know, yeah. Right, 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 or or legitimate ways of of interpretation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. A phrase I keep hearing uh, a lot these days: uh, your mileage may vary. <laughs> and uh i think that that really applies to this poem like i uh you know like yeah here here's what i think but um uh try it out for yourself <laughs> yeah definitely i like that all right well that was uh yet another wonderful uh conversation with kev and the lukes uh we hope you got a lot out of it uh, and as always, uh, check out our website, www.workscitedpodcast.com, for more information. And now, Philadelphia's own The Late Greats.